Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to introduce our speaker today. He's a friend of mine. He spoke at our church about 10 years ago. He is the founder of the Freedom Through Forgiveness Masterclass and Live to Forgive Ministries. I'd like you to welcome all the way from Enumclaw, Washington, Dean Smith. Come on, Dean. Thank you. Love you, man. I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Ball, ball, ball. Good morning, everyone. Yes. Yes. Hey, for you onliners, I see you. I see you. And if you're, the, if, if you're one of the, you people, you're stuck here. But you onliners, listen, if you try to sneak away like, okay, I think the message is almost over. Spoiler alert. There is a huge invitation for you at the tail end of this sermon. A surprise, awesome invitation to do something really cool. So you're not going to miss it. So don't try to skip out. If you're watching this tomorrow, like Monday, don't fast forward to the end. That's cheating. Stay right here. So I want you to think about your life for a second. And I want you to go back and think. Is there any day in your life, no matter how many years go by, maybe even decades go by, that you can look back on this particular day and still remember every single detail? Do you have days like that? Usually they're days with high emotion, right? For me, that day was February 11th, my sixth grade year. One of those days that you never forget. I got called into the principal's office, and I'm, I'm like, I was used to going to the principal's office, by the way, but this felt a little different. And the principal wasn't there, and I'm just sort of like, what's going on? happening. And in walks a man I'd never seen before. <sighs> Dean, my name is Pastor Rex. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, son, but um, I'm going to need you to go with me to the hospital. Something's happened to your mom. Oh. I still get a little, Ugh, even though it's been so many years. Why it hurt me so much then is up until this point in my life, my mom was my everything. See, my mom had been married four times to this point in my life, and there was actually even boyfriends in between. So we'd moved over 20 times to this place at 12 years old. Things were always changing, getting used to new father figures, getting used to new schools, trying to make new friends, getting teased, the trials, the tribulations, the abuses. Things were chaotic and changing. But the one thing that I could put all my love into, all my hope into, all my faith into was my mama. I love my mama. And so Pastor Rex brought my sisters and me to Harborview Medical Center, downtown Seattle. And going back to the every little detail, I remember walking in to the emergency room and my mom had the bandages around her head. She was connected to the... <sighs> And the doo-doo, doo-doo. What had happened is earlier that morning, while my sisters and I were at school, my fourth stepdad, whose name was Bob, been my stepdad for about two years at this point, he and my mom got into this horrible argument. And in a fit of rage, Bob walks down the hall, goes into my room, opens my closet, and grabs the Christmas present I'd just gotten two months earlier which was a baseball bat. 
And so on February 11th of my sixth grade year, while my classmates were just getting out of fifth period, I watched my mom take her last breath of life. It's probably only about a half hour after I find myself in this like crystallizing moment of my entire childhood. I'm in the Harborview Medical Center cafeteria eating a egg salad vending machine triangular sandwich. I know. There's tears running down my cheeks. Pastor Rex is across from me. He doesn't know what to say. And I'm as crystal clear as you can possibly be as a 12-year-old boy, which isn't that clear, actually, now that I think of it. But, and I'm, like, planning my life. I'm going to grow up big. I'm going to grow up strong. I know Bob is going to go to prison, but someday he's going to get out. And when he does, I'm going to be there waiting for him, either to kill him or at least beat him within an inch of his life. In fact, I thought, I'm going to hang on to all this, ah, this anger and I'm going to use it as motivation to help me be the best I can be to make my mom proud. I'm going to ask everyone to take a breath in and out. I'm going to ask you to all close your eyes for just a minute, if you would. I want you to think about the faces of the people in your life. Let's see if there's anybody's face that when you see it, you get a little angry. Anybody's face that when you see it, you feel a little frustrated. Anybody's face, you begin to relive the pain they've caused you or maybe even thoughts of revenge. Is there anybody's face that when you see it in your mind's eye, you know you haven't truly forgiven them from the heart? You can open your eyes. See, today in our little time together, I'm going to be telling you about a journey I've had in my life with a man whose name is Bob. Total transparency, his real name's not Bob. And I wanted to think of a name for him. I'm like, well, uh, you know, it's, I've got a lot of bitterness and it's really a burden. <gasps> burden of bitterness, B-O-B, Bob. I'm a genius. <laughs> Total genius, I swear. So today, as I'm talking about my Bob, the man who murdered my mother, I want you to be thinking about the people that you just saw in your mind's eye, who just for today, just for our little discussion, we're going to call them your Bobs. You with me? I'm going to talk about my Bob, but you're thinking about your Bobs. You with me? Now, you could have this thing, uh, I don't have any big Bobs. I mean, I don't, I've, no one's ever murdered anybody I know. I've just, just got like little Bobs. And you could like justify and rationalize why maybe this forgiveness message you can tell is coming may not be for you. But I'm here today to tell you that if you drink a big glass of cyanide, you know that that would be poisonous. But I promise you, if I just put a little glass with just a couple little drops, go ahead, here, have some. It would still be very poisonous. And in the same way, big bobs aren't our only distraction from keeping us in God's will. So on this... Oh, oh. When you hear something from God and then you express it out loud and then you feel awkward, so then you just have to pretend nothing happened, that just happened. Just weird. So on this worst day of my life, it was also one of the greatest miracles of my life, and that is that that pastor who came and picked me up from school asked me to be his dad, his son, actually. He asked me to be his son. And so I went from being this wild and crazy kid to this wild and crazy pastor's kid. And it was awesome. 
my fifth and final dad, who I've called dad ever since. And I never called any of the other dads dad. Because this dad talked to me and listened to me and mentored me and was patient with me. He told me about Jesus. And as a pastor's kid, of course, I went to church 757 times a week. (laughs) And my dad knew how to love me in a way that mattered. And he'd have this thing. All parents have like little mantras or something. And every, every like three months, my dad would get this thing. Son, how's it going with your forgiveness? How's it going with forgiving Bob? Oh, dad, thank you so much for asking. Really glad you're asking me again. It's going really swell. Thank you. Son, stop goofing around. I mean it. How's it going with your forgiveness? Dad, I don't know. What am I supposed to say? It's going, it's going wonderful. I don't know. Right at that moment, every time, my dad would say the most tormenting mantra ever created. And now I'm going to share it with you, and it's going to torment you as well. You're welcome in advance. My dad would say, son, I've told you before, I'm going to tell you again. You'll never live in the fullness of your God-given potential until you make forgiveness a priority. My fifth and final dad told me that I would never live in the fullness of my God-given potential until I made forgiveness a priority. On the outside, I was like, okay, dad, thank you, thank you. But on the inside... I was like, are you crazy? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what Bob did? He murdered my mother. He took my everything. There is no way it's even possible to forgive him. But even if it was possible, why would I ever do that for him? I would never want to do that for him. And see, what I didn't know at the time in junior high and high school is that the kind of forgiveness that my dad was talking about wasn't the kind of forgiveness that was going to be doing something initially for Bob. The kind of forgiveness that my dad was talking about would be a type of forgiveness that would initially be doing something for me. And my dad loved me so much, and he knew that, but I never got that. In fact, you guys, forgiveness for schmizness. I was doing fine in junior high and high school. See, I had coping mechanisms, yo. Coping mechanisms. Wonderful things. See, With the bobs in our life, either we are forgiving them, which unshackles us, us, unburdens us to be able to fly in God's perfect will, or we cope. And my coping mechanisms were rocking, yo. Here's what I did. I just took all the anger, all the frustration, all the thoughts of revenge, and I just put it in a little compartment and put it in the back of my soul. People would try to talk to me about it. Hey, Dean, the thing with your mama, I'd be like, shh. Hey, Dean, do you want to talk about shh? The second coping mechanism I had was just stay distracted, stay funny, don't ever deal with real issues. Senior year high school, my parents wished I would have been most most likely to succeed. But in fact, I was voted class clown. Because I could never be serious, because I didn't want anything to knock on that door. So let's talk about coping mechanisms for a minute. Ooh. First of all, I want you to get a sense of like your life right now, your community, your family, your friends, your social stuff. Have you noticed 
that people in the world right now have a lot of sabotaging thinking habits? Have you noticed? And have you noticed from those thinking habits, people being a bit more negative, have you noticed that they're a little more frustrated, angry, anxious, overwhelmed, and depressed? Have you noticed? And have you noticed that when people are having sabotaging thinking habits that create these negative emotions, they tend to make more poor choices? Have you noticed that as well? In fact, there's actually some statistics that we keep in this country that let us know if the poor choices, otherwise known as sin, these poor choices are going up or down. And right now, here's what we know. You probably know this intuitively, but this is statistics that we keep in America. Depression rates are way up. You know that's true, especially in kids, right? Drug use and overdoses, way up. Suicide rates are up. Divorce rates are up. Domestic violence is up. And there's a huge spike in violent crime. Otherwise put, sin is on the rise. Sin is on the rise because when your mind is filled with negative thoughts that create negative emotions, you make very sinful, not you, all of us with that make sinful choices. And now I would like to transition into the church's least favorite topic, sin. Let's talk about sin for just a minute. See, sin can only do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. You know the scripture, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But that's what sin does as well. It's, it's all it can do. And that damage of sin doesn't just happen out there. It happens in here, and it happens in here. And that damage starts in your soul, my friends, your human soul. What's your soul? Your soul is your capacity to think and feel and choose. And so it's interesting because God made human beings. He's so masterful. When he invented us, when he created us, God made human beings so we'd be able to think like he thinks, we'd be able to feel how he feels, and we'd be able to choose what he chooses. And it would all be in the context of loving relationships. All we need is love. Ah, do, 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 do. Just wonderful. God created us to be able to think truth, to feel good, and to choose love. It was perfect. But then something happened. Something that God calls sin broke into this world like an invader, like a plague, like a virus, right? And it began stealing, killing, and destroying, and that damage started in our souls. I want, I want you to get this, this visual picture, if you would, if we could put that little graphy thing up, if you can see it. It might be hard for you to see, so I'll take you through it. At the top, it's sin. It's going to go clockwise, I sin against you, I sin against God, someone sins against me. And since all sins can do is steal, kill, and destroy, that sin causes damage. You may not be able to see the damage, but you can feel it. The guilt, the depression, the anger, the anxiety. And so this bottom one, if you can't read that, it says pain and reduced abilities. All of a sudden, you're not as joyful as you were. You're not thinking as loving as you were and making the choices that you did. So you actually have reduced abilities. But you now need to deal 
with that damage. You need to deal with these, these uh, emotions. Uh, so you find one of many possible easy ways to manage that pain, to cope with that pain. And so you engage in a coping mechanism. But here's the problem. As you can see, coping mechanisms simply lead you back to more sin, which leads you back to more damage and reduced abilities and coping mechanisms and back to sin. Think about that marriage that they got married so in love, but then they got in a big fight. And all of a sudden, they weren't as, that night, they weren't as loving and they weren't as intimate and they weren't as, but you know what, how they dealt with it? They're just going to go to bed. We're just going to go to bed mad. We'll start afresh tomorrow. But then tomorrow came and they still had a little bit of the, because there was no forgiveness. So then they went around the circle again that day. Again. And maybe you know the marriages that have been stuck in this torturous circle of death for decades. And the love went, and the intimacy went, and the connection went. See, coping mechanisms just simply lead us back to more sin because coping mechanisms are simply a substitute for practicing forgiveness. Get ready to hashtag this one. Forgiveness is God's solution to a problem he calls sin. You want out of the torturous circle of death? You want to think healthier and feel better and choose more loving things? The only way out? If the, only, if the greatest source in the universe is love and unforgiveness blocks the love, then guess what? Of course forgiveness is God's solution to a problem he calls sin because God heals the human soul when we practice forgiveness. He heals the human soul when we practice forgiveness. You can sing that later. I know you want to. See, most of us Christians have no idea the damage and the destruction that sin is causing in our life. In fact, I bet most of us right now, it's just like, hey, man, you know, I'm doing fine. I don't have any big problems. I'm doing fine. And the truth is, if you haven't had life, your circumstances overwhelm your coping mechanisms, then you can just kind of go through life without practicing much forgiveness. I'm, do, I, I'm fine. But dude, God didn't create you to have a fine life. I believe I was sent for here for today is like, oh, I'm so glad there's some people in this church that have some big bobs. But I believe I was sent here for the I'm just fines. Because I believe God has something really, really bigger and better for you, even if it's just peace and joy I'm fine. And honestly, that's where I was. I'm fine. Junior high and high school. And then I got into college. And because I was in the torturous circle of death, all of a sudden I needed something a little stronger to deal with that inner turmoil. I got really into drugs and alcohol. I got married at the age of 20 while in college. Really smart. Got married at the age of 20, divorced at the age of 22. She thought she married a really nice young pastor's kid. He's a nice young man. And what she didn't know is I had issues on the inside, and all I wanted to do is distract myself. Super sad. And I got out of college drunk and high, and then I'm in the business world, and I had these big dreams. I'm an entrepreneurial spirited guy. I'm going to impact the world. I'm going to shine bright. I'm going to make lots of money. I'm going to do all these things. And I had these huge expectations. But my life kept just showing up, like, here. And I didn't know how to bridge the gap. 
and my dad's tormenting words, you will never live in the fullness of your God-given potential until you make forgiveness a priority. So I made a decision. It was this, it's funny because it was a dramatic moment in my living room, living in Spokane, Washington at the age of 25. I'm like, all right, God, I'm doing this. Today I choose to forgive Bob, but I need your help. And I, I don't, don't have time to get into all the details. The invitation I'm making later will help you know more about those details. But the fact is, I began an intentional proactive forgiveness journey in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 it says get rid of all bitterness rage anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice this version says it a little different but you get the point to get rid of it the original text is to lift to elevate to raise give it to God so your personal journey of forgiveness is all the ways you can think of giving it to God so that he can give you something in return. And in my life, without doing it um, intentionally, I realized I set up structure in my forgiveness journey. When I say forgiveness, I really think the word freedom. I set up structure in my freedom journey. I got encouragement and accountability in my freedom journey, and I got new tools too. And here's the thing. God helped me to completely forgive the man that murdered my mother. I got out of the torturous circle of death. And what happens when you start to practice forgiveness consistently is God begins to change your filter of yourself, your filter of God, your filter of others. And I realized I was starting to see Bob differently, which was weird. I want you to I'll give you like a visual Demonstration, like, in the absence of bitterness, in the absence of unforgiveness, in the absence of resentment, think about it. There's more room, there's more capacity for more love, more joy, more peace, more creativity, more productivity, more presence. <sighs> and that's exactly what happened to me. And I had this thing on my heart. I went from wanting to kill him to this this transformation that only God can do as we consistently practice forgiveness. And I had this message on my heart. And so Bob got out of prison in 1997. And in 2006, I called him on the phone. I found him in Tennessee. I told him that I forgave him because of what God has done in my life. And I told him that I believe God has a plan for his life. but that he wouldn't be able to walk in his God-given destiny until he made forgiveness a priority. <laughs> he became like his dad. I said, Bob, if you'll let me, I would love to help you in your forgiveness journey so that you can step into what God has for you. It's weird, weird to tell you that. Whew. We became friends on the phone. We were talking like every few weeks for like a year until he stopped calling me back week after week, month after month. And I was like, my self-righteousness and my pride, I'm like, after all I've done for you, how could you do this? My like, gosh, right? And I had to go back through my process, my structure, encouragement, accountability, and tools. Until six months went by and I got a call from a Tennessee number. I'm like, finally, it's him. 
And it was his girlfriend, and she asked me to pray for Bob because he had just attempted suicide. In his words, he started to focus on all the lives he had ruined, and that burden of unforgiveness towards himself got so heavy. He believed the ultimate lie that life wasn't worth living. By the way, when I had you think of people who you haven't forgiven from the heart, I'm well aware that some of us thought of ourselves. Sometimes we are our own Bobs, aren't we? Lots of times, actually. Let's be real. Because life keeps lifing and Bobs keep bobbing. That's just the truth. So I want to tell you, I got a chance. I got, we hang up on the phone with his girlfriend, and I just know exactly what I'm supposed to do as I started praying. Like, God answered the prayer in like one second. Go see him. And so I traveled across the country down to Tennessee, and I got to spend several days with Bob, which is crazy. And for the first few days, I have like sheets of questions and things we're talking about, and everything's going great. And the last day, it was like we had nothing to talk about anymore. I'm in a hotel room. We're about to go to church together. And out of the blue, like he'd been sitting on this thing for over 20 years, out of the blue, he says, Dean, the incident with your mom happened on a Tuesday, but I want to take you back to the Friday before. And over the next 10 minutes, he began to tell me all the details leading up to that day. The money issues, the kids, all of us kids causing a lot of trouble, uh, the drugs, the alcohol, the back pain, my mom going out late, another guy calling the house, all these things building up. He gets Saturday, Sunday, Monday, then he gets to Tuesday. And I want you to imagine this. (sighs) Sitting three feet away from me, looking me directly in the eyes. The man who murdered my mother told me every detail about that day, including how many times he hit her and what her last words were. If you get a chance to see the award-winning documentary, Live to Forgive, um, you'll see this moment in my life. There happened to be a camera there And you'll see that I look like this, pretty stoic. But I want to tell you what was going on here. I'm in my head praying, God, what do I do? God, what do I say? Lord Jesus, please be with me. You know, I'm like, I wasn't prepared for this conversation, to be honest. And there was two things that I believe God did for me. One was like, this peace. And the other was like, strength, like powerful. Like, I've got this, God. Thank you. I've got this because your spirit's in me. That's why I've got this. And it was so crazy because for 15 plus years, I would fantasize, and this I'm sorry to say this, this is just the truth. I would fantasize about murdering him. And here I am, and he's telling me how he murdered my mother, and I don't love what he's saying. It makes my heart sad, but I have the craziest thing, and that was compassion and love for him. Because when you practice forgiveness consistently and God changes your filter, things that once seemed impossible all of a sudden are no longer impossible. This is exactly why I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I help Bob out of his chair in that moment and I give him a hug and I tell him I love him. And I realized in this moment, this was like, this was my moment of truth. This is the moment that changed my life. If I could go from wanting to kill him for all those years to feeling peace and power 
I'm like, A, God is so real. Whoa! Two, I want everyone to know this freedom, dude. This is too good not to share. And it's been my life's mission since that hotel room to tell as many people. But here's the thing. A lot of people sounded like this. Oh, uh, pastor, that was a very good message. I am so inspired. Thank you so much. Um, what's that? Oh, am I going to do anything about it in my own life? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, probably not, but thank you for the inspiration. <laughs> and that happens enough times, and I started getting kind of ticked about it. Really ticked about it. So, Here's a question for you. By a show of hands, if you're at home, I want you to raise your hand too. It'll be funny. If you're watching it with somebody, both, if, if it's true. By a show of hands, how many people in this room would say you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Just by a show of hands. I love the people that wait to see if everyone else raised their hands. Uh, yeah, of course we do. I mean, what is he talking about? All right, pretty much, every, pretty much everybody, and I wasn't looking for anyone who didn't raise their hand. Now, for the second question, would you do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes for a second and don't open them when you an if you answer. Just don't open them until I tell you you can, just out of respect. How many of you who have a relationship with Jesus make forgiveness a priority and practice forgiveness regularly in the context of that relationship with Jesus? Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, you can put your hands down. You can open your eyes. I've done that little experiment dozens and dozens of times, and it's always fascinating to see that almost everyone in the room where I speak is, yeah, we got a relationship with Jesus. Of course we do. Don't be stupid. But it's usually about 10% of the people say that they practice forgiveness regularly. Dude, that's a problem. And so it made me realize forgiveness isn't just about a relationship with Jesus. Because all of us Christians have that going. It also requires forgiveness to become a habit. A habit. Like something you do. When Jesus was on this earth, Mark eleven twenty five, he's like, hey man, I'm paraphrasing, hey man, when you're praying, the first thing I want you to do is forgive. Before you ask for blessings, before you do this, before you make your confessions, just make forgiveness the most important thing. And then we're cool. That, you notice that it was in the Lord's Prayer as well. Forgiveness is the, one of the most important things to God, but for some reason as Christians, we sort of overlook that in our own lives in a practical way. And so for the, check this out, the last eight years, I've been a certified life and leadership coach, and essentially what I do is I help people start and stick with habits. Thinking habits, relational habits, spiritual habits, all these habits, I'm like, what if we brought some practical stuff into the Christian world, along with the biblical stuff, duh, to help people like really stinking do this so that the reality of the freedom of forgiveness that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for could be a real and alive in our lives. There's a reason why you probably haven't made forgiveness a priority. And it comes down to these four pillars of, like, it's funny, because right now I'm going to be talking about, it's almost going to seem like, this is a bit practical. I'd, are we allowed to talk about practical things here in church? Yes, we are. If you could go to this, the, um, the slide with the seat on it, please. 
to start and stick with a new habit, you have to have these four elements. Structure, encouragement, accountability, and some new tools. Ongoing structure, ongoing encouragement, accountability, and new tools. You got to have these. Otherwise, it's going to be like that, se- that sermon, oh, that was the best sermon. We're going to make a life change. And the kids ask for something, and your spouse does this, and it's like gone. What was the sermon about last Sunday? It's Wednesday. Well, how was the sermon Sunday? I can't remember. That's why you need S-E-A-T, my friends. And so I want to show you. When I was in Tennessee, I was with Bob, and I said, Bob, do you think you could ever truly forgive yourself? By the way, I know that there's two ways to say it, receive God's forgiveness. I think that's what we're really doing. But I know most people say forgive yourselves. So they're interchangeable right now, but really it's receiving God's forgiveness. I said, do you think you could ever receive God's forgiveness? And he said, and I quote, Dean, I don't think any human being who's done the actions I've done could ever say they've truly forgiven themselves. And remember, he tried to attempt suicide like a few days before that conversation. I said, Bob, will you let me walk with you in this freedom journey? Will you help, let me help you? Because I want you to experience what I've experienced. And he's like, okay. Similarly, when I got home from Tennessee, I'm talking to my sister, Gianna, like Vienna with a G. And she says, and we were filming for the documentary, she says on camera, I say, do you think you could forgive Bob? She says, not only would I never forgive Bob, but if I ever see him in person, I'll kill him. Uh, Gianna, the camera's on. It ended up making it in the movie. (laughs) She said she would kill him. I said, Gianna, will you please let me walk with you and help you experience this freedom I had? Because I realized I was already going out and talking to the world about this awesome gift God has given us, and I overlooked my own sister. And her life was in disarray. Fast forward one year from those conversations. If you could put that slide up with the pictures of the three people. Man. One year after those conversations with my sister and Gianna, I spoke at Wabash Church in Auburn. And Bob flew up from Tennessee and joined me because he had received God's forgiveness and had a new mission in his life, which was to help other people who had done really bad things. And he, without being prompted, without asking, one year after wanting to kill him, Gianna showed up at that church. She said, where is he? Oh, crutch, he's over there. And she walks in says, I forgive you, gives him a hug. And at the end of the service, I asked Bob to join me, and without being prompted, Gianna comes up as well. It's one of the greatest moments of my life. And I can't help but think if that guy who tried to kill himself a year before and that girl who wanted to kill that guy could have complete freedom in their lives one year later they overcame these big things. I can't help but wonder what God could do for the I'm just fines in the audience. What would he do for you? What would he do for you? And so what I learned helping Bob and Jenna, they did the work. I was just the guy. They did the work and then God did the, the God stuff. What I learned is that by giving someone structure and encouragement and accountability and some new tools, 
they can truly start and stick with the habit of forgiveness. And when you do that, you get out of the torturous circle of death and begin to walk in the fullness of God's blessings. And it's the very reason why I created the Freedom Through Forgiveness Live Masterclass. Is he talking about an event? Is he selling us something? No, I'm not. I'm telling you something you absolutely have to do. You don't have a choice. It's a six-week live Zoom masterclass starting on March 2nd. It's to give you the best that I can give you to start a forgiveness habit, the best as an ordained minister and the best as a life coach. There is an investment required, but through Pastor Steve, we've kept it as low as we can per household. It's reason, very reasonable. If there's anyone who is like, I really want to do it, but we just don't have the money, we'd scholarship you. I mean, come on. No one, no one should be kept from this thing. We're going to combine the power of biblical truths with the effectiveness, effectiveness of practical tools to help you truly begin to walk in the freedom of forgiveness. I had a woman who was exactly a, I'm fine, woman who took my course at the beginning of last summer. And two months after taking this six-week class, she calls me, two months after, she says, Dean, I'm having a problem with my friends. They think I'm crazy. I said, ooh, tell me more. She said, as a kid, I carried around a lot of guilt and condemnation for things that had happened to me. And I've just, I've been a meek, quiet person, just who I am. She goes, now, for some reason, I've been able to receive God's love, like, in a way I never even thought was possible. And now I'm, like, talking to people in the mall who I don't know, and they think I've gone bonkers. Can you email them and tell them that everything's fine? I said, no, I'm going to tell them you're bonkers, too. I had another woman who hadn't talked to her mom in 10 years and didn't even, said that she wasn't even going to focus on that in the class. But what happened was, through the process of making forgiveness a priority just for those six weeks, sort of like a boot camp. Not only did she forgive her mom, but she goes to her teenage, uh, her two teenagers says, kids, we're going to go visit your grandma who lived about three hours away. And they're like, grandma? I didn't think we had her in our lives anymore. It'd been 10 years since they'd seen them. So they go and visit grandma and now grandma has her grandkids back and the grandkids have their grandma back. And so here's a question for y'all. Who loses and or suffers if you don't make forgiveness a priority? Who loses or suffers if you don't make forgiveness a priority? It's not just you. That's the point. See, the thing is, is that the choice to make forgiveness a priority, a habit, can very literally change the trajectory of your life of your marriage, of your peace, of your demeanor. It's a powerful thing, man. I see these people losing weight over the six weeks. Losing weight, yeah. Because when, you're, when, you're coping, when your unhealthy coping mechanisms go away and you replace them with forgiveness, guess what happens? Everyone loses 20 pounds. It's guaranteed. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It's not true. It's not true. So... Pastor Steve and your leadership and me, we are inviting you to go online. Would you put that final slide up, please? To go online and go to livetoforgive.com forward slash real 
to get all the information. It starts in two Tuesdays from today, which is March 2nd. It goes from 6 to 8 p.m., six Tuesdays. And it's an opportunity even for you and fines to experience a breakthrough you might not have seen coming. And if you're somebody who's kind of struggled with negative thinking or maybe just some really trying emotions lately because of the world we're living in and all the circumstances, you may not have thought that there would be a connection between practicing forgiveness and having a breakthrough in those areas, but I'm here today to tell you there is a direct correlation. And God wants to begin to do that for you. So I'm going to encourage you, get on the link, sign up. You ready to pray? When these guys come up, you're like, uh, you need to wrap it up, guy. All right. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each and every person, both online and in person, that can hear my voice. I pray, God, that you would help them to take action, that this isn't just another message that is okay, but it's something that they take and begin to implement in their lives. I pray, Jesus, that you'd be with each person who is considering joining the master class. Give them the courage to do it. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd bring an unforeseen level of peace and joy and breakthrough and transformation to each person's life who can hear my voice. We love you so much, Jesus. We thank you, God, that it's because of you that forgiveness is even possible. We give you all the glory and all the praises in Jesus' name.